Not only does body fat impact how we look and feel about ourselves, excess body fat's been associated with a lot of diseases that can significantly impact our health. And one of the organs, I didn't even know this, that's particularly susceptible to becoming damaged by excess body fat is the liver. And today on Who Cares About Men's Health, what to know and what to do if you've been diagnosed with fatty liver disease. Got a big crew here today. This is going to be a lot of fun. The MD to my BS, it's emergency room physician, Dr. Troy Madsen. Hey, Scott. All right. And we also have Dr. Susan Pohl, who is family medicine, and she's also very passionate about wellness for disease prevention. So you're in the exact right place. Welcome, Dr. Pohl. Thank you. Good to be here. And the star of this week's show. What do you think of that, listener, Brett? You're the star. You're the reason we're all here today. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah. So um, Brett wrote uh, an email to us that I'll get to here in a second, but essentially he was diagnosed with fatty liver disease during his last physical. So uh, the first thing, Brett, when your when your provider told you that, like, what was your reaction? Like being told that you had a fat liver, that kind of that doesn't sound like a fun <laughs> thing to be told. It was uh, a little scary because, uh, you know, do I need a liver transplant? Am I going to die soon? Or is this just because I am overweight? That's the that's the question. So uh, I have a feeling, you know, we talk about the core four on this podcast, which is, you know, to be healthy today. And in the future, you should watch your activity, your nutrition, your sleep, your emotional health. And then you also got to know that plus one more, which is your genetics. I have a feeling we're going to be delving into a lot of those today. So um, here is the email. I've been listening for a while and thought I'd ask a question after my last physical diagnosed with fatty liver disease, but my physician didn't explain it too well. And I've been searching for more answers on what it is, why I should worry about it and what I should do to treat it. I've Googled a lot of stuff, but I'm unsure what to do. My doctor recommended I avoid fatty, greasy fried foods, but I wasn't sure if I should consult a dietitian or do anything else. So that is Brett's condition. I want to ask you, when you searched on the web, what did you find about fatty liver disease? I'm kind of curious what's out there. Well, I found uh, actually a couple of uh, previous interviews that the scope did uh, for fatty liver disease. And I found pretty much the the health line. I think there was an article for it. And basically it said, take it seriously and lose weight (laughs) is the main thing, which is... uh, Good, but easier said than done also. So is the concern actually how to accomplish what it suggested to do? Or did you really truly find that you didn't find a lot of information that explained what this condition was, why you should be concerned, that sort of thing? Uh, A bit of both. I I wasn't really sure how I got it. You know, am I drinking too much soda? Am I uh, eating the wrong foods? And then uh, should I be exercising differently? Uh, These are things that what's the long-term prognosis? You know, I, I, I was really scared that, you know, am I, am I going to need a liver transplant in, you know, 10, 15 years, or is this more like something I can, it'll eventually kill me. And when I'm 90 and that's okay. <laughs> and Brett, I'm, I'm curious, Brett, how did your, your healthcare provider diagnose you with fatty liver disease? Well, there's a couple of ways. Uh, first there was the, the blood work, um, said that that indicated it, but then there used kind of an, uh, sent me downstairs in his clinic. They had this, uh, thing called a fibro scan. Uh, it was a, essentially an ultrasound that looked at my liver and found the, uh, tissue was consistent with that, uh, with that diagnosis. Okay. Interesting. And are, you know, obviously we're all 
kind of spread out everywhere our recording, so I, I don't, I haven't met you in person. But you know, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us a little bit more about your health, like, are do you consider yourself overweight, or do you exercise, or or did this come as like kind of a surprise to you to hear, wow, I've got a fatty liver, and this is doesn't make any sense. I'm just a little curious about uh, kind of where things came from there. You know, effects of of weight gain were definitely not a surprise to me. Um, I'm uh, been a stay at home dad for the past three years, and it's been a more sedentary lifestyle than it was when I was working. Uh, I do work out, especially in the past year and a half, four to six days a week, um, mostly a lot of cardio, but also uh, weightlifting and things like that. Uh, I do it at night because, as a stay at home dad, <laughs> I don't have a lot of time in the day to <laughs> to run to the gym and there's no daycare there. Um, so I've, I, I've gained probably uh, 25 to 30 pounds over these past three years. So I've not been happy with it, but I've also thought that some of that could be from, you know, not just diet, but also exercise. Um, so I'm, my uh, body mass index is, is about 32 right now. So it's in the obese range, but it's on the lower range. Going back to the episode a few weeks ago when you had Scott on, uh, the listener, and I believe that was his name, uh, I'm a bit more average in my uh, eating and exercise than uh, average American than uh, than he is. Uh, so grown up li- liking the you know normal <laughs> uh, food groups <laughs> which includes you know some of the fattier and and sweeter foods but yeah. also uh, I've I like to cook I like to make meals ba- that are healthy uh, I also have kids who are picky eaters so sometimes I have to sacrifice uh, <laughs> good food for what they will actually eat uh, so it's it's a balancing act always yeah, for sure. But it sounds like, like you said, though, you are exercising regularly. You have put on some weight just in the last few years. But, um, but again, it sounds like this kind of blindsided you to hear this. Like, I've got fatty liver disease. And like you said, you're searching all over trying to get answers. What does this mean? What are the implications of this? Yeah. I mean, I, I expected things like higher cholesterol and uh, things like that. Those, those things I've actually wanted to seen over the past few years of physicals. Um, but this was kind of a, uh, more surprising moving from, you know, heart to liver was more surprising. Hmm. Dr. Paul, uh, let's have you jump in right here. I, I want to ask a question, but I also just kind of want to just like let you go with what it is you would want to know at this point. Um, I think Brett's main concern is, is this something he needs to worry about and what can he do about it? Uh, that's what he wants to ultimately walk away from, but we could also learn more about this condition. So Dr. Paul, where where do we go from here? Thank you so much for um, having me on the show. Just um, just as a clarification, um, I am a family physician, so I work at University of Utah and I'm board certified in family medicine. Um, I'm also board certified in um, obesity medicine, so I treat people who are having complications from weight. I'm not a hepatologist, so um, a hepatologist would be someone that just specializes in liver disease. So let me jump in for a second. Is that ultimately who Brett should go see at this point or? Yeah. So one of the things to to think about, I'm just going to start from a big 10,000 foot informational view. And I think um, Brett can then get some more information, you know, more information from his doctor. First of all, when we think about the liver, the liver has hundreds of functions, um, including clotting and digestion and regulating your blood sugar. 
And um, so uh, the liver itself also stores fat and everybody has fat in their liver. Um, so fat in the liver is normal, but when the amount goes up, that's considered abnormal. Um, so when we, again, from a 10,000 foot view, um, liver, the liver can become diseased. Um, the two main classifications of liver disease are related to alcohol or non-alcoholic liver disease. So um, if the first thing I would want to know is um, how much alcohol you drink, um, because that in and of itself can be a toxin and is one of the most common causes that can progress liver disease. So um, uh, Brett, do you mind if I ask how much alcohol you drink? I don't drink uh, at all. I, the most I do is I throw some some wine or something into a recipe, for, but I don't drink any, any alcohol. Okay, so that makes it easy. We can we can classify this as non-alcoholic uh, liver disease. So, um, as we branch into the non-alcoholic liver disease, um, there's some interesting terms, and so I don't want to get too much into the weeds. But the term non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or NAFTL, um, is actually means that you just have more fat than is generally considered, you know, quote unquote normal. Um, and normal fat content would be somewhere around 5 to 10% of the liver content is, is fat. And so you've been diagnosed with a little bit more than that, and I don't know what your level is. Um, now, excess fat in the liver actually can, the body can tolerate that in a lot of people. Um, and and um, NAFTL, or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, is, um, is actually incredibly common. It, one out of every four adults in the U.S. is considered to have some level of NAFTL or higher than what we considered normal fat in the liver. Um, but only some of those um, patients will then progress to some level of fibrosis. So fibrosis is where the fat is actually more inflammatory and there's starting to be a little bit of scarring in the liver. Um, and so, um, scarring in the liver, um, is, is fibrosis and we can, we can pick that up on scans like the fiber scan that you talked about or MRI. Um, what we want to avoid is this becoming very progressive and it leading to cirrhosis, um, and liver failure. And I think that's what you were concerned about, Brett. So, um, it's, uh, it's important that you had the fiber scan and that they did look for some fibrosis. Now, if we're starting to see some fibrosis, then we're talking about NASH, um, which is non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. And only, only a few people with fatty liver are starting to get some inflammation and fibrosis in their liver. Um, but the good news is that the liver is incredibly resilient. The liver is an organ that is just an incredibly resilient organ. So the fact that you've been found to have this, um, this is one of those things that you are in control of and you can uh, be the captain of your ship and, and help your liver recover and heal from this. So hearing all that, Dr. Pohl, where do you think Brett falls on that? And it, it's probably hard to tell without actually seeing results, but you think he kind of falls maybe in that fibrosis phase or maybe just a little bit more fat than the average person in the liver? Or? Yeah, well, I would have to see the results of his fiber scan. I mean, yeah. verbally, that story that he's telling me, what I'm, the fact that your doctor was concerned about it makes me think, I'm, I'm playing Sherlock here. Um, but from that story was that there was enough fibrosis that the doctor was concerned and would classify you more in the NASH. Now, I'm not 
sure if that's true. So I would contact your doctor and say, you know, what level of fibrosis? And we score that with numbers. Um, what level of fibrosis do I have? And do I have NASH? And so just ask your doctor, do I have NASH? Non-alcoholic okay. steatohepatitis. Non-alcoholic steatohepatitis? Yeah, okay. or N-A-S-H. You, you can do a lot with this. And that's the big, that's the good news is that, um, you know, uh, lifestyle medicine is the way really to approach this. It's the best uh, way to improve the fat distribution that you have. Everyone, want, we need fat, but the way your body's distribu- distributing its fat is causing some issues for you. So um, what I, I'm just going to segue into some lifestyle things you can do. Uh, you mentioned things like soda and sugar um, your doctor had mentioned things like fat and obviously excess fried foods are going to be cal- calorically rich. And so that can lead to weight gain in general. But tell me about the sugar that you eat regularly, including sugary sodas and drinks. And they always go after the good stuff, don't they, Brett? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, a little, I think I'm a little better than average in terms of soda uh, intake. I probably have one or two a week, maybe. Probably uh, my post-workout drink because it's at night uh, is uh, a cup of chocolate milk. <laughs> I don't. I've, I looked online and you know it says eat chicken breast and things like that, but that's not exactly when I get home at from the gym at eleven o'clock. That's not exactly appetizing. Uh, so I've. That's my main, uh, you know, sugar intake. I feel like I'm pretty normal on, you know, things like candy and things like that. Not a lot, but I don't. Like I said, I'm also around kids, so sometimes I'm. Uh, <laughs> they they make me eat. <laughs> make me, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Pohl, do you do you think that for Brett, it's just flat out, just you got to get your BMI down, and this is all going to reverse. Or could he, you know, maybe he continues on at a BMI of 32, but drops the sugar. And then that's the key to reversing this. Most people, most people with a BMI of 32 that have um, fatty liver or NASH will benefit most easily from weight loss. So unless there's a profound transformation of fat to muscle, most people need weight loss. So it sounds like really it's just a matter you're decreasing your total body fat and in turn, you're decreasing the fat in the liver. And that's really what you're what you're trying to do here. Yes, exactly. Um, and and sugar does tend to be very toxic um, to the liver. When we get big spikes of sugar, um, our body that's very inflammatory and actually um, produces inflammation in the sugar. I mean, in the liver. So um, really, you know, I, I I never say no to to you know I, I like chocolate cake, you know, and and I never say no to those things, you know, and. Uh, and an occasional soda, you know, I mean, all those things are, are part of my diet, but just realize that those should be kind of the peak of your pyramid. So, you know, if you really need that piece of pumpkin pie, you know, around Thanksgiving, have that piece of pumpkin pie. I mean, that's important to you. Have that piece of pumpkin pie, but don't have, you know, rolls and pasta and pumpkin pie and a Coke and chocolate milk after your, after your workout. That is you know, five servings of carbohydrates that your body's going to turn into sugar. So think about what's important to you. Just don't waste those calories on things that, um, that, you know, waste those sugar grams. Um, and if you, you know, if you want to get really technical, talk to your doctor about, you know, monitoring the sugar and actual grams of sugar in your diet and 
most people do well by keeping it under 50. Um, a lot of two people do really well if they keep it, you know, the, the get it under 25 would be awesome, but that's hard to do because it hides in so many things like ketchup and salad dressing and those kind of things. But, um, so decreasing your sugar is really important. Um, and then there is some data that shows that increasing the good foods in your diet will also help. So, the, the nice thing about this is it's the same diet that we talk about for heart health. So we're not talking about a different liver diet than heart health. The Mediterranean diet is um, what tends to promote weight loss. It tends to decrease inflammation. So um, I'm sure you've talked about the Mediterranean diet before, but that's a diet that's um, high in foods like uh, salmon and cod and, you know, fatty fish. Um, and then high in dark vegetables like greens and kale and adding some nuts. Now, the key with nuts is measure those nuts because they're very calorically dense, but nuts are a good part of your diet. And by decreasing the empty carbs and adding some of these good nutritious foods to your diet, usually you can you can heal that liver. I do think that's something that I haven't done too much is, is doing a, a monitoring of... of of the food that I've, you know, a detailed monitoring of the food that I've eaten, um, you know, looking at the, the grant that that's good to know the, to keep my, a good level for the sugar content to have in a day. Cause I, I, I haven't really tried to measure that. Um, and I think that's, that's a good idea to, to get started. I, I've really, struggled about how to start approaching this, whether to, you know, start cutting out, you know, 20% of my portion size of my meal, or whether to uh, just cut out certain foods entirely, or whether to, you know, do certain things. What about one of the questions I had to my doctor, and he was kind of saying, yeah, maybe, but you could try these other things is, should I look at going to a dietitian or to a, a help to help me get started on this? Or uh, should I start with some more basic steps? I think consulting with a dietitian is is fine. Um, and I think you can you should you can talk to your insurance about whether they pay for it. I think if you've got inflammation in the liver, they likely will. But sometimes that becomes a barrier. Um, sometimes insurance doesn't you know, want to pay for that. But in investing in that or or accessing your insurance for that is a is a great, um, is a great tool. Um, one of the things to start with though, um, is, is to start with just the easy things. Um, I'm, I'm not getting paid by my fitness pal, I promise. Um, but I'm a big fan and I recommend it all the time just for like three days. If you enter in all the foods that you eat, um, it'll actually show you how many sugar grams you're eating and just for three days, enter in all your foods and see at the end of the day, and don't, don't modify anything. Just enter it in and see how many sugar grams you end up with at the end of the day. And then you can start thinking about, oh goodness, that, you know, maybe some of those empty, empty calories that, um, you know, do I really need, um, the barbecue sauce with the, with the sugar or can I, you know, substitute some Tabasco sauce or something else? Um, so there's some easy substitutes if you start looking at that. So, my suggestion for most people is start monitoring um, with a, one of those easy online apps. And MyFitnessPal is pretty easy to use and just um, put your information in. And you can take that to, that information to your dietitian and, and then they can help you with some easy substitutions as well. 
So, Dr. Paul, it sounds like really the place that you recommend, Brett, to start is just those added sugars. That's what we're talking about, right? So monitor what you're eating for three or four days and find out what those added sugars are and see if you can get rid of some of those with something else. Is that accurate? Yes. The easy. Yeah. Get rid of those easy, those easy added sugars. Yes. That's a good summary. Yeah. And I uh, will tell you like a soda, I think has like what, 50 grams of added sugar. And you said you want to try to keep it at 50 grams a day. Yeah, exactly. So even that one soda is, mm, it's, it's a lot for your day. Now, I don't like to tell people you can never have a, you can never have a soda, but just realize that you're spending those grams of sugar on, on a drink. And do you really want to do that? You know, it's, that's, that's an, uh, you know, if we talk about it as a cost, it's an expensive cost to um, have all of your sugar in one can of soda. Yeah. And if you go, we had an episode called hidden sugar. Um, it's really shocking where sugar hides, like, uh, Dr. Paul said in barbecue sauce and salad dressings. Uh, we talked about, you know, you think you're eating a, a, f- a fruit flavored yogurt and that's healthy, but there's a lot of added sugar in that. The little packets of instant oatmeal that you get, um, half of that is, is added sugar. So it really kind of hides uh, in very insidious ways. Um, and you might be surprised after kind of looking at packages and monitoring just how much added sugar you're actually getting. Even I used my fitness pal and I eat pretty clean and my added sugar was higher than I ever would have expected. So th- I think that is good, good advice. I want to admit that I had been advising people about, you know, diet and exercise. And then I looked at my, um, my low fat yogurt and found the exact same thing. And was it's 20, it was 24 grams of sugar. So it's a day's (laughs) supply of sugar in my low fat, healthy yogurt. So these things that are sold to you in packages, um, make sure you look at those packages. Cause a lot of the things in the health food aisle, like granola and low fat yogurt and, you know, things that have the word fruit on it, fruit snacks, fruit juice, the, all those things that they're in the health food aisle. So we feel like, oh, those must be great. Um, but uh, check those sugar grams because they hide in these, you know, quote unquote, healthy foods, especially low fat food, because when you take the fat out, you got to add something back in to make it taste good. And sugar is what they do. You know, they add it's sugar crazy. back in. Yeah, I saw something about a, like a junior high that has like their healthy foods vending machine and they would sell applesauce in there. And the applesauce was just selling out like crazy. And they're so excited, like, oh, the kids are eating applesauce. Yay. You know, and these each little thing of applesauce has like 15 grams of added sugar or something ridiculous. You know, so it's it's amazing. But I went through that same process with yogurt as well. I was thinking I was eating healthy and I, you know, we had Thunder on here, Thunder Jalili, who talked about hidden sugars and I looked at the yogurt I was eating, same thing, just tons of added sugar. It's just amazing. Yeah, I, I do try and monitor some of that and that I try and not do as many uh, processed uh, meals and things like that. I try to make, you know, uh, meals from scratch, you know, even things like pancakes and, and, and waffles I make from scratch so I can see, you know, what exactly I'm putting in there and not relying on a, on a box mix or something like that. But, um, and I like to make even, you know, macaroni and cheese from scratch, but sometimes, you know, my kids aren't fooled by the difference, uh, <laughs> between the colors. <laughs> nice <try>. Uh, <laughs> but that, that's, that's the thing I do like to try and, control those those hidden sugars after i i did listen to that episode and that's one of the things i tried to control through my uh the recipes that i've gotten but yeah i'm absolutely not perfect in that way and i'm 
eat, eating plenty of, of things I know are sugary uh, too, though. So okay. I, I, I'm really trying to make this simple and for any guy that's listening, and sometimes it can get really complex and it can confusing as to what should I really, really do. So I think we've established really critically look at those sugars. You might think you're doing well, but after a three or four day examination, you might discover eh, it's not doing as well as I thought. So if you can maybe replace some of those calories with healthier choices, um, you know, limited seeds and nuts and some vegetables, that's another strategy to try. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize how many calories are in the foods they eat. Um, I think it's really easy to eat way too many calories. So perhaps monitoring those, you know, through my fitness pal will give you some insight into that. And maybe really having two or three meetings with a nutritionist to also have just a, a separate set of eyes on what's going on might be advantageous too. So Dr. Paul, like, what do you think of that advice? And Brett, do you think that's, is that a little bit more straightforward of a plan that you think you could follow? I love that summary. I think it's a great actionable summary. So um, yeah, Brett, what do you think you could do? Yeah, that that sounds like a, a very good idea to, you know, start monitoring, uh, start there. It's the, the easiest thing to do uh, for me personally. And, and it gives me some data to go to the, uh, the nutritionist and uh, see what to move forward from there. And the biggest thing is also um, just talk to your doctor about it and just find out what your level of fibrosis is and, and how um, how much, um, you know, what what kind of weight loss plan you should be on. Um, the caution I want to give you at the very end is that dramatic, uh, weight loss, which would be, um, something more in the line of four, you know, two to four pounds a week. We would recommend, you know, if you, if you're going for dramatic weight loss quickly, that can actually worsen fatty liver because of the stress that you're putting your body under. So slow and steady weight loss, something in about the range of, one to two pounds per week is where we want to, is kind of that sweet spot of sort of detoxifying your body. And how long do you think Brett should give it before he really goes back to his doctor and says, hey, I'd really like you to take a look at my liver again, see where things are. I mean, are we talking like a few months, six months, a year? Yeah, I think, um, well, talk to your doctor about what level of fibrosis you have. And, and then, you know, the goal would be if you're starting to see some changes on the scale and you've made some changes consistently for at least three months, um, then go talk to your doctor about whether you should be rescanned and see whether that level of fibrosis is less. Um, three to six months. I would, you know, I'd like, it's interesting to see um, the studies show that even small amount of weight loss, like five to 10 pounds, which is only a couple of percentage points, can actually make big changes on the um, inflammatory properties of the liver. So, um, you know, set a goal of uh, a certain amount of weight loss. But if you've had some success with, um, you know, five or 10 pounds, definitely talk to your doctor about if it's time to, to look. I hear Troy's voice in my head right now, Brett. So I'm going to share some additional thoughts here. And I'd like to get both Troy and Dr. Pohl's um, thought on this. So, you know, it doesn't have to be all at once. Don't expect you're going to change, you know, overnight what you eat. You're going to go from one person to another. It doesn't have to be radical changes. You don't have to all of a sudden go to eating chicken breasts and a plate full of vegetables. Um, you know, the nutrition can still be good. Just start making some minor changes. You know, is there one thing that you could do in the first week? Maybe that's eliminate one soda or maybe that's eat an extra serving of vegetables. Uh, you know, give yourself a little bit of time, I think, to, to go through this process. And I think a lot of times we think, oh, I've got to eat healthy now. And then that comes with a lot of baggage of what it is you're going to eat. And sometimes then you get miserable and it's not sustainable. 
So I, I think, you know, Troy always says, uh, you know, just make those little small changes one at a time. Yeah, no, I, I and that's the key too. I think you have to give yourself credit for what you're doing as well. And you're exercising a lot. I think that's great. You're doing more exercise, far more than the average person does. So you really need to give yourself credit there. And it seems like the sort of thing, like Dr. Pohl has given some great advice just in terms of maybe dropping some sugars here and there. And I'm sure you'll start to see that weight loss. You know, again, one pound a week sounds like that's the goal. Um, and as you see that, again, give yourself credit for it. Say, hey, I'm making progress. This is where I need to go. It's not a dramatic change. It's, it's going to be something over several weeks and months. And that weight fluctuates like from week to week, right? So if all of a sudden you gain a pound, don't worry about that. Sometimes it's just the time of day you've weighed yourself on that scale. And Dr. Paul, a half pound would be fine, right? This is a long-term game right now. He's got oh, time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, in fact, yeah, if there's no weight loss, but you're making those dietary changes, like I said, if you're exercising and making dietary changes and it, you're weight neutral... Um, that's fine, you know, um, but I just want, don't want you to go for dramatic weight loss because that can be harmful as well. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you doing this and for giving me all the congratulations for actually caring about my health. That is, uh, I'll take all the praise I can get and, uh, you know, hopefully I don't die from this soon, but no, just kidding. Uh, this was very reassuring. Thank you. Brett, thank you very much. I appreciate having you on the show. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Awesome. Dr. Paul, thank you as always. I appreciate your uh, your time. Thank you for inviting me. It's 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 so much fun to talk about uh, health and, and helping people become more healthy and reach their fitness goals and their health goals. Hey, it's me, Scott. You made it to the end. Good for you. I must make you a super fan. Just wanted to throw this out there. If you found this podcast helpful or if you enjoyed uh, Who Cares About Men's Health episodes and you know somebody else that could get benefit out of it, please let them know. That's the way we can grow the show. We'd also love to hear from you at any time. Listener Brett reached out to us so we could answer his question. You can email us at hello at thescoperadio.com. You could also go to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash who cares men's health. And you can also call our uh, and leave a message on our listen line. It's 601-55-SCOPE. Love to hear from you. Love it if you'd recommend the show to somebody. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring about men's health. (laughs) 